Democracy. 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 Für ein starkes Europa der Kulturen und Regionen, welches nicht European Democracy Lab Podcast from the Institute of European Democrats. What if we immunize citizens against fake news? You are fake news. Go ahead. Parlano di fake news. Forse non è neanche così sufficiente parlare di fake news. Fake Seiten, Bots, Trolle, das heute sich selbst regenerierende Meinungsverstärkungen. Fake news is an expression that we have become accustomed to in recent years. These two words have frequently been used and abused by politicians from all sides of the political spectrum and in virtually every country. Fake news is used to undermine the views of opponents, to dismiss accusations and avoid accountability. This has led the public to believe that truth and lies are impossible to distinguish or worse, that they are a matter of your point of view. Disinformation is, however, very real and can have deadly consequences, as we've seen with the viral spread of COVID skepticism and anti-vax attitudes. Disinformation campaigns in Europe, whether driven by domestic or external actors, harm the public debate and instill distrust towards public institutions and scientific knowledge. With a massive vaccination campaign being rolled out across Europe, disinformation could be an Achilles' heel. The anti-vax movements continue to create uncertainty about efforts to combat the COVID-19 pandemic. So perhaps the time has now come to ask ourselves, can we immunize citizens from fake news? The European External Action Service has been monitoring disinformation on COVID-19 since April 2020 and offers a gloomy assessment. The report shows that Europe is not immune to disinformation on the pandemic and that these trends are actually set to increase. Andrzej Potolski, vice president of the Polish party Strane Nitzvon, Democrat Wichwe and of the European Democratic Party has studied the current threats posed by fake news and the manipulation of information in social media. The anti-pandemic movement or anti-COVID movement is not a new phenomenon. It's only the variation of what we observe in the recent years and is connected with many anti-social, anti-European and anti-scientific movements present mostly in the social media and the internet. The anti-vax propaganda now and anti-COVID propaganda it often addressed to people who are sensitive to the higher values. Personal freedom. Don't wear the masks. It violates your personal freedom. Don't be slaves. Defend your freedoms. Defend yourself against government oppression. The main goal of the fake news propaganda is to simply dissuade the unity of the societies, to make the weaker people from this get off the trust of the state and trust of the society as they hope. Let's take one step back. What is fake news and how do we distinguish it from inaccurate information or misinformation? The fake news are deliberate tweets. Fake news are made 
to make a specific impact on the society. The construction of the fake news is sometimes limited only to the headlines because the fake news creators are interested mostly in distributing their product massively to as many followers as possible. They do not necessarily care about people believing or not believing. The distribution is more important because the wider the distribution is, the biggest number of effects that people is. It's like a pyramid. On the top of this pyramid, you have a very limited number of sources. They simply copy the same contact among themselves. Because they are being followed by many, this makes this pyramid having a very, very flat angle on the beginning. So on the very end, the number of the recipients of the fake news is being really astronomical. We have seen the numbers of people denying COVID grow rapidly through social media thanks to popular accounts that act as a catalyst and a multiplier for anti-vax attitudes. The biggest distributors of anti-vaccine fake news have like 1.7 to 2 million followers in Polish Facebook and Twitter. And that means uh, 5% of entire population, which of course all those people have families, have links, have relatives, so they can multiply this uh, propaganda in the environments they live. That's very scary. I don't think that in any other countries of Europe, the numbers are in persons smaller than here. We are not something specific. But where do these attitudes originate? Potolsky is firmly convinced that to understand the phenomenon of disinformation and the anti-vax movements in Europe, we need to take a broader look. It's not only European phenomenon, but it's very vivid in the United States as well. What we have now is just uh, an acceleration of this movement worldwide. Same happens in the countries where the anti-vax movements are supported clearly and openly by local governments, as Brazil, which suffers a lot from pandemia, but the current president does not take any serious action against. Tanzania, where president clearly denied the existence of pandemia, and also this country is very vulnerable at the moment. We have to remember that we are still having a lot of influence from the US, so what happens on the other side of the Atlantic affects us as well. To help us understand this phenomenon, our second guest is Dr. Peter Kreko, who is a social psychologist and political scientist and is the director of the Political Capital Institute, a Budapest-based think tank. Kreko conducted extensive research on the so-called infodemic. I think that the term infodemic is a good description of the situation because this information can really spread sometimes much faster than the virus itself, but following a bit similar logic. But who are the actors responsible for disseminating conspiracy theories and distrust? And what interests do they promote? One source of the problem are the clickbait fake news sites that are just producing fake news to maximize their clicks. 
and to create revenues through media advertisement to the owners of these sites. I mean, the official, so-called official COVID deniers and even vaccine skeptics have their magic cures to the problem. For example, they say, let's just take vitamin C and then you will be immune to everything or you just shouldn't be afraid. So if you want to sell your product, it is perfect if you have an alternative explanation to the virus. The actors spreading disinformation are not always looking for economic and financial gain. Fake news is also an important tool to exert geopolitical influence and undermine adversaries in the chessboard of international affairs. We could pretty much see that Russia and China were happy to amplify the voices that were skeptical towards the Western vaccines. Pfizer-related, Moderna-related disinformation was out there and sometimes very openly promoted by Russian and Chinese state finance actors. Last December, Greco was victim of a disinformation campaign following the publication of an article on Politico where he expressed his views on the vaccination campaign conducted by the Hungarian government. I was giving an interview on the low level of pro-vaccination attitudes and high vaccine hesitancy in Hungary. And I raised the issue that the Hungarian government's very loud push for the Russian and Chinese vaccines that have been only authorized since then in Hungary, but back then they were not even authorized by the Hungarian authorities, that it can undermine the general trust in the vaccine. The article ends with a sentence that I told that if you undermine the trust in the vaccines, Orban can suffer the consequences. And it is pretty obvious from the context that I meant you as a generic you. Ever since, Greco has been the target of a hate campaign after pro-government media falsely accused him of encouraging the spread of anti-vax misinformation in order to hurt the government. It's seen him defamed in hundreds of articles in pro-government media and denounced by some of the most powerful politicians in the country, including Prime Minister Viktor Orban. More than 20,000 people have signed a petition describing him as, and I quote, one of the biggest villains of recent decades. And he has also received a slew of death threats targeting him and his family. Since then, it turned out at the courts that uh, it was an obvious lie. So the first level court decisions asked these newspapers to correct their statement because it was a deliberately forced translation to mislead the Hungarian public. And despite the fact that there has been these court cases, some journalists and some politicians are still keep on lying. The story of Greco is important because it shows that the agents of disinformation are not exclusively coming from Russia or China or from the political fringes. Sometimes they originate from the very core of European governments. Hungary, unfortunately, is a sad example for that. There is such a thing as state-sponsored disinformation when the government and the governmental institutions, even the public media, invests time and money to mislead the people. I think it's mostly a problem in Hungary, but we can see it emerging in Poland and partially in Slovenia as well. Another important finding from the Reuters Institute at Oxford University is that disinformation is often driven by well-known personalities who exert a strong influence over public opinion. Most of the online engagements are actually generated by high-profile celebrities, politicians and state actors, even though they're not the actual producers of the content. 
This analysis indicates that disinformation and conspiracy theories are not actually the tools of the weak and disenfranchised against the strong. Rather, they are the preferred tool of those that are already strong, well-known and powerful. And it would seem that none of us are immune to these voices. Disinformation exploits two things that are inherently in all of us. Uh, first of all, superficial consumption of uh, information. Because of the information environment that surrounds us, for example, we can just check 10 articles in a minute on our, on our smartphone. But this kind of superficiality can finally lead to a very superficial knowledge that is vulnerable to even take up this information. And the other thing is that all of us have our biases and all of us have negative and positive emotions and prejudices that the conspiracy theories and disinformation exploit. So first of all, everyone, disinformation can be highly successful in environments where there is a high level of political polarization. And uh, what we could see, for example, in the United States, that wearing a mask have practically become an expression of political view. If the issue of virus, for example, becomes, or the vaccines is becoming a politicized issue, then it can really just amplify the problem itself. In light of all this, what are the potential counter-strategies? Do governments have sufficient means to stop disinformation campaigns? The issue of disinformation is not something that the states or even international organizations can solve themselves. Everyone is responsible to a certain extent in the fight against disinformation and uh, disinformation could not spread if there were no demand for that. But of course, a tech giant or a government have more tools to work against uh, sources of disinformation. But Greco is not a fatalist. There are three concrete and important steps that he believes could significantly reduce the impact of infodemic and slow down its rapid and viral spread. The first strategy involves careful monitoring of the information landscape and being ready to deliver a quick response. This first approach has already had some positive results. In the UK government, there is a disinfo team that is dealing with monitoring and quick response of the most dominant disinformation narratives around COVID and also the vaccines. And in United Kingdom, one of the hotbeds of vaccine skepticism, we can see that the COVID-related vaccination rate is pretty high. And also the public opinion is one of the most pro-COVID vaccine public opinions in the whole Europe. A second step involves engaging the social platforms that distribute fake news. Both Greco and Potolsky advocate that disinformation must be eradicated at its very source. And that's where both social media and governments have an important role to play. They have to work together and the EU and the respective governments of the countries have to discuss with the social media owners the conditions under which they can 
act in our countries. There is a clear challenge for the governments and for the European Union to force the owner of social media to be responsible for what is present on their platforms. Such an approach, however, raises important concerns about the freedom of expression and the rights of people to have their voices heard. Reducing the supply for disinformation is not something that should be treated as a taboo. So I do think that it's a good development that social media companies are increasingly stepping up against COVID-related and vaccine-related disinformation. And here the states can play a very important motivating role because part of the reasons why the tech giants are introducing more and more strict policies for themselves because they feel the political pressure and they are afraid that they can face serious consequences. The debates on whether social media should be regulated and how are ongoing. But in the meantime, disinformation is still out there. And this begs the question, how can citizens become more resilient and less vulnerable to false and misleading information? Is it possible to immunize citizens from fake news? Greco's third and last recommendation focuses on education. In his view, the current pandemic reveals how fragile our trust in science is. And I think part of the reason might be is that uh, scientific knowledge is something too abstract for many. And uh, science is trusted in most of the countries. But I think it's a trust in the ivory tower. And I do think there should be new ways in Europe on how to make science education more entertaining and uh, more efficient. If this problem would be solved, then there would be much less demand for anti-scientific and pseudo-scientific disinformation efforts. And uh, I do think that if, for example, everyone could have learned in the schools how vaccines work, What is the logic of vaccination? What is the history of vaccination in the Western world? How it saved the life of hundreds of millions of people in the world? Science education should be popularized and science education should be improved in order that people do not feel scientific knowledge and they can understand the simple scientific facts. However, Potolsky argues for an even deeper approach to education. It begins at the school level with criticism. The basic fundaments of logics which are really helping people to cope with the fake news, cope with the propaganda and being able to make their own assessment, the media contact they are exposed to, is a thing that should be taught in schools from the very, very beginning of the primary education I know that Scandinavia started with uh, programs like this and the kids in uh, first grade in Denmark are already taught what fake news is and how to cope with that. That's very important for the future generations to make a critical society which can oppose such deeds which are really antisocial and are not only against the individuals but against the community as well. Tackling fake news is not easy and involves a mix of policies from monitoring and quick response to regulation and education. But is this enough to make us immune to fake news? Will individual awareness supported by fact-checked information be sufficient to stop the infodemic? At the end of the day, it will be the actions of individual citizens that make the difference in overcoming COVID. 
It's up to all of us to take care of each other, not only by washing our hands, wearing masks and respecting social distancing in public places, but also by thinking twice before sharing unreliable information on social media. If we all take responsibility for the information we share, spend more time checking our sources and in listening to the experts, we might just be able to break the chain of fake news. The European Democracy Lab podcast is a series by the Institute of European Democrats, a think tank and political foundation financed by the European Parliament. You can find more about this podcast and learn about our activities on the website www.iedonline.eu.